From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Project podcast. Here we are on episode 264, and we're unraveling the culture narrative. And I talked about this previously, but I want to unpack this topic a little bit more. There's so much about it that is crucial to your mental health and the state of, well, your family, the people closest to you. It's really important to have a broader perspective of where you came from growing up, the narrative weaving in between your family and your parents that have been infected or inflicted or control controlled or manipulated by by culture by th- that influence it can continue on from generation to generation and you can be like neo right from the matrix you can be the one to break away from the narrative you can be the one to change the pattern running in your family. You can be the one to not get heart disease because it's running in the family or not get cancer or not wind up in the mental state that your father was in or grandfather was in or grandmother. Because we see abuse run down the line. But you can be the one to shift that pathway. And I see it all the time. People shift their diets and they live longer than their previous family members. They stop smoking and they live longer and they become more successful. And that's the thing, patterns, habits, behaviors, beliefs, they run in the narrative of your your tight community that is your family. But you can be that individual to shift direction. You can be the one. Now, we are bound in a web of deception, false truths in this culture. We're surrounded by corporations that rely on our consistent desires to satisfy us because, well, we're already dissatisfied. There's constant dissatisfaction because these corporations rely on our desires. They rely that we, because we're controllable, if we're continuously desirous and what they provide meets with what we desire, we are going to return because the dopaminergic system says, hey, remember what when we got that latte from Starbucks? Man, it tasted pretty good. It satisfied us. It made us more awake and it just hit all those buttons. Let's go back and get that again because... That's what the reward system does. It notices and, well, that it's also, it becomes a routine. And that's another thing that the unconscious, it's not just the dopamine, but it's even the, it's becoming familiar with just getting up at a certain time, showing up at a certain location, getting the sugary drink, the sugary dessert, and it, you know, we, we see it all the time in culture and in, in our family life where, you know, certain night is pizza night, certain night is pasta night or certain time of day we have that dessert, right? And the 
we stick to it, not just because of the dopaminergic system, it's mainly that, but it's also the familiarity. It's the comfort. It's, it's the, it's even the connection. Maybe it's connecting with your kids or your loved ones. It's, it's deep, but culture like corporations like Kellogg's already know that if we do not promote our products as healthy, quote unquote healthy, which means they cherry pick data so that whatever studies that they conduct, well, they're obviously going to promote their product as being healthy and not otherwise, right? They're a company. They need to make money, right? Or they'll lose that money. They need to promote it as healthy, especially in, in an age where people are becoming more concerned over our health. People are becoming sicker now more than ever <laughs> with more products now being promoted as healthy, right? The Washington Post recently published an article about dietitians and doctors being paid by snack and soft drink companies to promote junk food as healthy, Think about that. Your doctor may not have your best interest at heart. It's so there's many things to that. One is when you go to medical school and you start to question things, they crucify you for that. They say, nope, stick to the guidelines. If you start to question diet, they say, no, stick to the guidelines read the textbooks, do the work, and then you can move on. And that's really scary. There's a great book called Lies My Doctor Told Me by Dr. Ken Berry. Great book. It opened my eyes to diet. It opened my eyes to the deception behind nutrition that is weaving its way through culture. It's breaking apart now a little bit in many areas because I know that with me in high in elementary school the food pyramid was the I remember that being on the classroom wall and mostly grains and breads and pastas right as the central food groups and cereals and then meat and and like dairy was at the very top right it's a little little bit of meat and butter but you know have the veggies and have the breads and pastas right that's Definitely not the case. If you're still holding on to that, man, you have to break out of that because that is setting you up for ill health. And we have a duty to ourselves. We have a duty to our family, our loved ones, to look beyond the veil of the central narrative culture is presenting us. Being naive is the assumption that everyone is looking out for my best interest. Everyone is inherently good, but it can be the opposite as well. Everyone is inherently bad. It's more so your openness to possibility. It's more so of your curiosity. That's what's going to move you in interesting directions and it's going to open up this amazing adventure in your life. That's what diet did for me. I mean, you just have to be open enough to just recognize that if you eat pizza and then some ice cream and you notice how you feel 
well, isn't it obvious? And a lot of people, it's, they don't recognize it. They're not open or they're not very conscientious of their own selves to notice how they feel. And that's how I began my journey is I just noticed how I was feeling after I was eating pizza. Not good at all. I felt really bad. The brain fog was the biggest one for me. I did not like feeling closed off. Maggie said I was closed off on my previous diet. Maggie says ever since I went on keto carnivore, I'm more open now. I'm way more attentive. I have more energy. My brain fog lifted. My memory improved. My inflammation went down. And that's because I went against the central narrative. Oh, be a vegetarian, be vegan, or um, or just following that food pyramid in general. Doesn't help. You have to go look into things on your own. See what people, what worked for people and take that leap of faith and try it for yourself. And just explore, read some books about it so that it broadens your understanding. Go to some YouTube channels like Dr. Barry's YouTube channel, Paul Saladino, or man, there's so many other, uh, Dr. Sean Baker, great people who are on this way or who are on this diet. But so many people feel hesitant to walk their own path within culture because of this judgmental eye from culture, right? Being deemed as an outlier, being deemed as a weirdo, especially within the community you formed at work, being deemed as somebody who is, well, for me, I, I get that because when I am around people for a long time, you know, you're a, you're being a, you're a part of this community at work. When you begin to practice something new, you, you yourself are going to feel like an imposter because you're new and you're going to feel bad at it. You're exploring this thing. And then it's that judgmental because you don't have enough arguments to why you should pursue this when you're around your coworkers, right? Because they'll start to question you. Why are you doing that? Don't you know cholesterol, you know, eggs are bad for your health or butter or this or that, or whatever you're trying to do, meditation or cold showers. You don't have enough justification even to yourself on, on why you should do this. So you're going to feel like an imposter. And a lot of people don't want to go through this phase of exploring this unknown space that is diet or could be a cold plunge or exercise or, you know, Pilates or, you know, the sauna or these, these great areas that, or minimalism, right? These areas that really help you in great ways, but sometimes you can't, you don't, you can't make sense of it fully and can't explain it fully to other people. And so, you know, I definitely say explore it for yourself rather than being open about it with other people. But with diet, especially, you have to, you're going to be open at some point because if you're around people and they take you out for lunch or dinner and you change your diet, then you are going to, you're going to have to set up boundaries where you say, well, this is only what I'm going to eat and you have to accept it or not, right? It's, it's really that, I don't want to say simple, but it's really that. In George Orwell's book, 1984, which I highly recommend, this book takes place in a complete dystopian totalitarianism. And 
in this totalitarianism, everyone is under surveillance all the time. You are being watched. Everyone must think and behave in unison under the strict doctrines of that government. If you show any signs of individualism or generate a single thought that is unique to you, then you will be thrown in prison. And I love this book because these totalitarian states have existed. Under Stalin, the Soviet Union, North Korea, Nazi Germany, these places exist. And culture has elements, even the current culture now in America, in Canada, in our current state, there are totalitarian elements. So when you read 1984, you are going to link certain elements of what culture is like now to these books. It's really unbelievable. And in this culture, there is no questioning the state or your own way of life. We see that now in, in the media. If you start to question things, you will be canceled. You'll be uh, classified as a bigot, racist. In, you'll be, you'll, you will be an outlier in some way. And culture will do its best to shield you from any other way of living than the one already imposed by culture. If we can keep you sick, if we can keep you hungry and vulnerable, then you are easily manipulated, like the puppet from Pinocchio. You can manipulate that puppet to any, any way you like. But there's a scene which I highly love. I, I, I love this movie where there's this tyran tyrannical, satanic figure up in the shelves of Geppetto's home, looking down at Pinocchio. And it, it's an indication that when Geppetto draws a, a mouth on Pinocchio, what happens is, well, it, it cuts to that tyrannical image, and it's an indication that tyrants don't like you to have an individual voice. And we see that now with free speech becoming less and less free, especially here in Canada. It is an absolute nightmare to see because we're, we, we want and isn't free speech a lovely thing, but we're seeing cancellations left, right, and center. We are seeing great people being prosecuted and punished even before trial, even before proven guilty, you are deemed an outlier and should be demonetized. You should be canceled. So in 1984, the main protagonist, Winston, he works in this ministry of truth, which is very funny. Like the, the name is so funny. Um, but he, his job is to rewrite the past, right? He takes 
newspaper clippings and he rewrites them in the narrative of the current culture. And that's interesting because in totalitarian systems, they don't want you to be exposed to any other way of life to keep you vulnerable, to keep you hungry, to keep you sick. I mean, that's what they do in North Korea. They keep their citizens hungry so that they can't sit around and generate any mental thought of their own. Because if you're hungry, all you're thinking about is food, how to survive just one day at a time. But if your belly is full and you have heat on and you have the simple necessities, clean water, then what are you going to do? You're going to actually have time in your day to sit and think about things. Hmm, maybe things aren't okay. But no, that's a totalitarian system. And these systems, they shrink your freedom and independence smaller and smaller, as small as it can. They do this with fear and brute force. You can kick other people into obedience. That's definitely the case today. If there is a sensitivity within culture, then you will become more hesitant to speak of these matters out loud or in the office or with your family. You'll be hesitant to question them. And when you actually generate the thought of any sort of question against what the narrative of culture is, you will actually view yourself as someone, well, am I a bad person for thinking that thought? Because culture says you are a bad person if you question things. You will be canceled. You will be an outlier. You could lose your job. Uh Uh-oh. Fear, even internally, the, the emotion is fear. It's, I'm a bad, bad person for even generating that. We see now people on the media, on social media, they're getting fired for just speaking out or questioning things, especially a lot of the Hollywood type, because Hollywood is very woke and progressive. And if they question things, oh man, they get kicked to the curb quite quickly. They get deemed they get deemed as an outlier. They won't find work. Because Hollywood is very progressive and very woke. And people I've heard people say that well, celebrity types say that they're too they're too afraid to even say anything. They just keep their mouth shut and get to work. And I feel like, you know, you're losing a bit of your soul there when you do that because you know something is iffy. There's that feeling, but then the fear far outweighs that motivation to speak up and you don't, but you sell a little bit of your soul. I don't think it's worth it at all. I do not think it's worth it. Certainly not. And then you are attacked on the news. We see this, especially during the COVID pandemic, right? Wear a mask, get your vaccine, stay inside. 
don't question these things. And then people like Joe Rogan would start to question, you know, what's really going on? Let's bring in some doctors. Let's, you know, let's see where this is. What's the data? No, 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 don't question this or you will be deemed somebody who is against culture. You will be deemed as a stupid individual. And I don't agree with that. I think we should explore all options. I think we should be open to possibility and we should continuously seek out truth and not settle for one doctrine, one set of beliefs because things are consistently changing over time. Individuality is behind the veil of culture. It's in that fine print. You got to look beyond the main print, okay? We are very fortunate now to live in a time where we have access to podcasts and individuals on the internet, awakened people, public figures, who who promote a more spiritual way, stronger way. They question the way of how things are. We have access to these books. We have access to these people. And that's a beautiful thing. But you have to be the one willing enough to go out and explore that. I know so many people who are closed off. They just live in their tiny bubble of their existence and they don't explore themselves. They don't try and push themselves in any way, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's diet, whether it's meditation, or just sitting with themselves and understanding really who they are, what they really want. No, there's so many that I come into contact with that stay in that routine. And it's disheartening, but I don't try and change them. They have to want to change. And then there's this internal battle with yourself. Because it's, yeah, we talked about culture, but what about yourself? Because now we have to look at your unconscious mind. Your unconscious mind wants to stay with what's familiar, what you're accustomed to. It doesn't like change because what happens when you move beyond what you already know is that you're going to use up more mental energy to explore this new thing, this new pattern. And It's going to be painful at first because you will feel bad at it when you begin and you're going to have to reorient much of your life around it. You're going to have to learn and grow and it's going to require time and effort. But it's worth it, obviously, because change is great. Change makes us stronger mentally and physically. But it's going to really be tough. You have to be willing to take that leap and understand that, you know what, I should do it anyways. I'm not going to be perfect at it. The perfectionistic mind will become present and say, hey, if you're not great at it, you shouldn't pursue it. It's like, no, you're going to be bad. It's okay. Accept that and move forward like Harry Potter and the Dementors, right? Learning how to conjure a Patronus, he's so bad at it, but he knows that in the end to overcome the fear he will have to master this new technique, this new spell. And then in the Hobbit story, Bilbo Baggins, when he's out with the dwarves at the beginning of this great adventure, what happens? Well, he feels 
like an imposter. He feels like he doesn't belong there. He's not an adventurer. He's not a hero. He's just this little shire person who's overweight, who smokes a pipe and eats a lot of bread. But over time, he persists. He he knows that there's something greater than this, that the, the in the adventure holds so much of what he can become. His potential is lurking there in the unknown, and he understands that. And now I really want to get into something very interesting, so get ready for this. I want to get into how one, how one belief from a person can influence the health of our overall society. A one-sided narrative it can become the cultural center. And, and this is the coming-of-age story of the Academy of Nutrition Guidelines. So I'm reading this. Uh, I put it together. I took the main points from this chapter in Michelle Hearn's book, The Dietitian's Dilemma, which I highly recommend. So this is partly quoted from her chapter in that book. Ellen White was born in 1827 and claimed to receive over 2,000 visions from God. One vision involved a major health reform. This vision, God told her that humans were to refrain from flesh food, meat. She then claims, in grains, fruits, vegetables, and nuts are to be found all the food elements that we need. She proclaimed that meat was not necessary for human health, and she stated it causes cancer, tumors, and diseases. Don't worry, health anxiety sufferers. It does not. And then she also says meat causes lustful thoughts in men and women leading to masturbation. Interesting. And then she'll go on to co-find the Loma Linda Sanitarium in 1906. This place would teach individuals in medical evangelicalism. And then if you would like to teach this medical evangelicalism, you were required to preach, teach, and adhere to her nutritional beliefs. In 1909, Pastor Burden and other school leaders then began to operate the Loma Linda Sanitarium under the new name of the College of Medical Evangel Evangelists. This college could grant degrees in liberal arts and sciences, dentistry, and medicine. So, research on health was taking place with a bias in mind. That meat is bad. And you can tell there's no openness to any other truths than that. And then a young man named John, worked with Ellen from the age of 12. He would go on to become a doctor, inventor, and nutritionalist. John, being a vegan, concerned with Ellen that masturbation was a serious sin and worked to develop food items 
like meat substitutes along with breakfast cereals to be an anaphrodisiac, which means to reduce sexual desire. John's last name was Kellogg and was the creator of Kellogg's cornflakes, the staple of American breakfasts which elevated blood sugar. He went on to be the head director of the Battle Creek Sanitarium. Lena Cooper became the first dietitian of the sanitarium, this health resort, and then co-founded the American Dietetic Association, which is now known today as the Academy of Nutrition, and she would ultimately advocate for a vegetarian diet. I want you to replay that section of the podcast again because when I learned that, I was dumbfounded. I couldn't believe it. How much these narratives are one-sided And I hope that this podcast opened you up to, well, opened you up in many ways to diet, but in all areas of your life, the pharmaceuticals, or maybe it's your job, or maybe it's just how you are living. Maybe it's the tyrant within you that you're concerned about, that you can't seem to get a grip over that narrative within you, the narrative to eat that sugar or avoid difficult tasks that you know you should do but can't seem to begin. You know, I'm always wrestling with that inner tyrant. And what's more meaningful than that? Why give in? What's the value in being a slave to that tyrant? Isn't it worth being more? than who you are now because you're not okay the way that you are. You have much to learn and much to do in your life. Keep growing. And that's where I'm going to leave you on this podcast episode. Thank you, everyone, for being here today. Thank you for being a listener. I have a Christmas discount on the Anxiety Project program right now. All up until Christmas. That's available at unpluganxiety.com. Rise above anxiety. I'll see you next time. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com.